In uh, February, my youth group at uh, Mount Vernon did their annual worship service. And in the service, they talked a lot about the challenges that they face and the questions that they struggle with. And some of them really kind of focused on how they're trying to become mature and young adults and be more responsible, but they couldn't understand why we kept putting rules on them all the time. You know, for example, we told them if you ever leave the property for a church activity, you actually have to tell your parent where you're going to be. And we, I told them at one point that playing cards against humanity may not be a good idea. We'll talk about that one later. But they were, had some serious questions, and one of them talked about how, you know, numbers don't really matter. Turn 16, am I really ready to drive a car? Turn 18, am I really ready to graduate from high school and start a job or go to college? And the young adults, they face the same kind of questions, of course. But they came down to several of them saying, we really need an adult training camp. And there I was, in the back of the sanctuary, always supporting them, screaming in silently in my voice, this is it, you're in it, this is adult training camp, it's called church. <laughs> Later, I met with them in March and explained to them that they were in adult training camp, and I said that there's good news and there's bad news. I said the good news is there's no final exams, but the bad news is no one ever graduates. And that we are, church is a form of voluntary church, adult training camp. All volunteers, all members, all staff, we're all here learning how to be grown-ups, more responsible while still adhering to rules and restrictions. It was a good conversation that we had together just in March. And the challenges that our youth and our young adults, they're merging into maturation, they face multiple complex transition that really spans a 20-year developmental transition. It is significant, the most significant changes in our lives. So I started to ask questions. How does the church really support our youth and our young adults through multiple life events? How do we learn to use social media when it keeps changing every six months? Here they are in a typical 21st century life, and we're trying to keep up with them. How does a liberal religious church such as ours offer support and care, as well as how do we offer appropriate challenge for deep reflection about our faith and our values? For the youth in particular, how do we encourage a deep and secure Unitarian Universalist religious identity during this pivotal developmental time? How do they navigate and negotiate adolescence into adulthood in our world right now? And for young adults who are negotiating and navigating college, entering the job market, they're establishing enduring relationships in a very transitory world They're doing taxes, they're managing debt, they're buying houses, and they're having children. So the driving questions as I started to look deeper into this is have the youth and the young adults, have they spent much time and energy on their religious identity? Are they committed to Unitarian Universalists? Do they even identify as Unitarian Universalists in this larger world? Do they have a need, a spiritual need, to connect with a community? And do they feel that the UU Church is there for them when they need us? And likewise, do they feel ready and prepared to help their church and members in service and community as such a core part of our value? 
And in that larger context, can they articulate their beliefs in a pluralistic world that is rife with religious emotionalism and heightened judgment? All of these questions have been swimming around in my head for years, and then they all relate to spiritual formation and religious identity. So I finally decided to do something about it, and I entered a doctoral of ministry program at Virginia Theological Seminary four and a half years ago and studied, focused with my thesis on UU youth and young adults. And I graduate on Thursday, by the way, so I did complete the program. Thank you. <laughs> all very exciting. So I created, for my thesis, I created a project that was a, for the fall 2014 um, pro- curriculum with 12 youth and 8 young adults. At the core of the program was a mentoring relationship for the young adults to the youth as a core part of the relationship building. And I used the work of Sharon Parks, who's a wonderful author of Big Dreams Worthy. I did, I did it again. It's gone. It's a good book. Sharon Parks. Just Google big dreams worthy questions, I think is what it is. Um, But her argument is how important mentoring is of all the different transitions in that 20-year span for youth and young adults. My intent really was to deepen their UU identity, to increase their awareness and ability to articulate what they believe, what their values are. And in fact, I measured four areas that I based on another study about young adults in the larger U.S. population so I could then compare how UU youth and young adults look at the larger population. So I looked at values, life purpose, worldview, and their beliefs. And in working with youth and young adults, we have to recognize in their developmental stages that they're going through is the powerful influence of what we call fragments of meaning. That is, from our culture and our society, they are absolutely fire-hosed with images constantly impacting them on a subconscious level. We're going through the same thing, but their brains are still in that raw emotional development through that 20-year span. And if you can imagine social media and the Internet, websites, people they talk with, constantly a barrage of images that are influencing that on a subconscious level. Give you a, a, a real simple example that I've experienced with my over 50 year brain. The last few months, I've just been having this deep desire for a new dress. I couldn't figure it out. I don't need a new dress. I have lots of dresses, but I just was like, I gotta have a new dress. I want it to be a really pretty dress. Yes, I want a new dress. And I couldn't figure out what it was until one day I noticed, actually paid attention to all the ads on my Facebook stream. They were all of dresses. <laughs> and so it went, and I started looking at the ads of websites I was visiting, all of dresses. So at some point, I must have gone to a website looking at a dress, and that was it. The Internet world now knew that at some point I wanted a dress, and it was going to make sure I was going to buy one. <laughs> we'll see how long I hold out. The point is here that we need to raise our self-awareness 
as adults, absolutely, but particularly as youth and young adults, we need to raise our self-awareness of all the cultural and societal influences. I cannot overestimate the psychological impact of it hitting their brains, and they have barely any consciousness about it. But it's, if we start to be able to raise our awareness, we can have an explicitly incorporated into our values, into our worldview, into the priorities we make in our life and our UU identity. We're not trying to fix them. They're not broken. Our youth and young adults need to have the potential of their inner voice, their authority unfolding in each given moment. Because that is a core part of what we teach from an early age, the the truth of our own inner voice and the personal experience is the first test of what we know as being true. And I can't even tell you, for a young adult who's coming into our faith for the first time, whatever faith they came from, to be told that their inner authority, their voice, and their personal experience is of such high value is a revolutionary and radical idea that is so refreshing. And I suspect many of you, when you first entered these doors of a UU church, were suddenly shocked to realize that your experience is the final authority. This is a radical idea from, an, from a theological perspective. Now, that doesn't mean we don't still need intellectual rigor. We still need to challenge our youth and young adults. In its pluralistic world, they need to hold their own on ideas about God and evil and suffering and heaven and hell and salvation. You heard the quotes. They are struggling with these things, and they need to be able to have not just their own inner experience, but be able to grapple with those questions in a very coherent and um, intellectually integrity conversations. Now, given that we do give them some tools, we don't just say it's whatever you want to believe. We actually give them some tools, our principles and purposes. Now, mind you, when I was growing up, we didn't have principles and purposes explicitly voted on by General Assembly. They were there in the subtext, but never every day in our religious education program. So I thought when I started to interview the kids before and after this program that they would talk about the principles, particularly when I said, are there any principles that you use and guide in your life? Only one talked about a UU principle. Only one. I think they're there in their subconscious, but not in an explicit conscious way. That surprised me at first. And then I started to think about it. All the research shows that youth and young adults want personal context, personal relationship, not a static text. Yes, the words matter, but relationship matters more. So the other things that I found... The youth or the young adults, none of them offered the word humanist to self-identify their beliefs, just not in their language, despite how many times we may say it. It's just not getting into their language. My data also suggests that you, you young adults, they're more positive in their worldview than the youth. When you think about it, in adolescence, hormones raging, everything sucks, that kind of makes sense. But they do eventually move out of it. But here's what's surprising, is that both the youth and the young adults, they are more positive than the general U.S. population. The U.S. population, all the studies show that they have prominent themes of chaos and corruption. So our youth and young adults are not in the U.S. norm when it comes to worldview. 
What about beliefs about God or what we call the nature of God or theodicy? Is what's God all about? So our youth and young adults, they're less theologically deterministic than the U.S. norm. Our youth and young adults, that is, God is intentionally creating our reality in some way, an interventionist God. They don't buy that. They're more likely to believe in a random God or human intervention or random universe, if God at all. The results show that you youth life purpose, the young youth, through their career choices. When they look at their life purpose, they're thinking about their careers in high school. That, again, makes total sense. But I will tell you right now, particularly for the juniors and seniors in high schools, please don't ask them what college they're going to. That just raises their anxiety level. They've got enough of that. You've heard the quotes. They are eager for all sorts of other questions. Find something else in common, and they are there across the generations, I promise. All sorts of things really don't change about what we're struggling with. But don't raise their anxiety about college. That's big enough. Or what job they're going to get. Yeah, don't go there. And the life, and our, the life purpose for our young adults, they're more about relational roles. They started to sell, settle into a career, so they want to know who their relationships are. That makes sense in their life purpose at that point. What's surprising is that in the general U.S. population, there is no clarity about life purpose, which tells me that there's a lot of lost young adults and youth out there in the larger world, that they're not sure about if they have a career path. They're not sure if they have an association of friendships that they can rely on. And values. This was kind of cool. Prominent among a youth and young adults is they are more, they base their values in what's called eudaimonic values rather than hedonistic values. Eudaimonic values are about happiness based on self education, about um, improving ourselves through education or through workshops and getting better. They value that in themselves as well as in other people, as opposed to hedonism. Hedonistic, that's more about pleasure and eating and playing games, and that is more prominent within the U.S. population, about being more hedonistic and pleasure. Our youth and young adults, that's not where they get their happiness. Again, they're outside the norm of the U.S. population. So this tells me that our youth and young adults are very much like us in many ways, that most of us are not in the predominant religious norm of the rest of the population. That's with their theology, their beliefs, their values, and their worldview. It's less clear about life purpose. The youth and young adults of today in our churches, they're not the secular humanists of the 20th century. We can't assume that that's where they, st- they are as we might have been. They are not tied to particular UU principles, formal or otherwise, but I think they are there in their subconscious. So where, what am I recommending? I really, and this is where I'm going to go with my own church, intentionally invite them into cross-generational relationships, particularly around mentoring. We older folks, we actually do have many things in common. A lot of the studies show that some of the the highly influential markers in our life, things like education and family and church, that has remained the same for the last 50 years. That has not changed. And they actually are in that order. Education, family, and church for for the most influential. And family will bump up to first place if it's not stable. If there's conflict in the family, it will become more influential. But again, that shows that we have common 
experiences with our youth and our young adults. They want to know you, and we, they want us to know them. They want to know their minister. They want to know, have a deeper relationship, and they are, tend to be shy. They tend to be more introverted and maybe off-putting. That doesn't mean that they don't want to know you and be in relationship. So I invite you to integrate them into ways into the community, not just say, oh, great, there's a youth group and there's a young adult group. I hope they're having fun. They need those support networks, but they also need to come and be integrated into the larger community and have those mentoring relationships. Our youth and young adults, they want to be a service to others. They truly do. They want to have meaningful and productive parts of their lives. But more than anything, they need a safe place. They need a safe place, a UU safe place where they can explore deep and complex meaning and moral issues. They want to develop their empowerment and those positive worldviews on some serious human challenges that they're keenly aware of. Strengthen their values on how to improve themselves. And this should all be done within a holistic embodied as well as an intellectual religious experience. Just sitting and talking is only part of it. They have energy and enthusiasm, so it really does need to be a holistic and embodied, experiential-based worship that gets into their skin, worship that gets into their heart and soul. Because they fall outside of the norm, I want them to know they have a safe haven, a place to celebrate their individuality in this adult training camp. I don't want them to feel the power of community relationship so they know, like a homing beacon, to keep coming back. So here's the finishing story about Cards Against Humanity. I went, as I said, I met with my youth group in March, and we picked up the conversation. And this backtrack a little bit. The story actually began last December when we had a youth group and a young adult holiday celebration playing game night. And I walked into the room, and they had already started playing Cards Against Humanity. And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, Cards Against Humanity was created by somebody. Um, it's like apples to apples, and it has all these cards with things written on them. And it was created by somebody who thought it was funny to poke fun at humanity's desire to be politically correct, that is, to be non-oppressive, to be non-offensive. And so the cards are particularly offensive. They are sexist, they are racist, they are genderist, they are shocking shocking and they do not belong in a unitarian universalist church without some discussion about why they are so oppressive so they were already starting to play it and in this room i had 14 year olds and i had 30 year olds i had african americans i had gay i had straight i had struggling and there the power in that room was so important to name so as i saw them playing the game they all got ministered I walked up and I said, you know, if you're all going to play that game, I need you all to talk about why those cards are so offensive and rude and crude. Dead silence. They sat there looking at each other, looking uncomfortable, a couple of them glaring at me. And after about a minute or so, they decided that they didn't want to play that game (laughs) and went on to something else. But then in the youth service, they use that as one of the examples of the rules that we had set up, that they can't play that game. So when I sat down with the youth group and I said, I didn't say you can't play the game. I said, you need to talk about why it might be offensive to somebody sitting in the room who is 
been sexually abused or been raped. I said you need to talk about why somebody who's African-American might be offended by a card that is incredibly rude and crude to that person. We need to talk about privilege and power. We need to talk about genderism and all those difficult issues out there in this world. And one of them said, well, it's not like you used to just ban things. Because I mentioned that many UU churches across the country had outright banned them. That the game was not to be played on church property or in church events. And they said, well, that's not like us either. And I said, okay, what do you guys want to do? And they said, well, why don't we play it with our advisors and we'll use it as a tool because when we go out into the world and our friends invite us to play this game, we need to have an answer. We need to be able to deal with these issues. And if we can't talk about them here in our church, where can we talk about them? My work was done. My work was done. What a mature answer. So that's the deal. That's the deal. In my thesis defense a few weeks ago, one of my readers said if I de- asked me, he said, if I died tomorrow, what did I want the youth and young adults to know? I said I wanted them to know that they were loved deeply for who they are, profoundly, so that they know that their specialness and their beauty was honored and celebrated as it unfolded in this universe and that they had a safe place. I want them to believe in the first principle of inherent worth and dignity. And I paused. And I said, and I want them to be Unitarian Universalist. (laughs) Amen for that.